My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 122 of Legally Clueless. Thanks for rocking with this podcast. Remember, you can catch us on Instagram, we're at Legally Clueless Podcast. There's a link to it in the show notes. And we are also on YouTube. You can check out season one of our video series. There's a link to our YouTube in the show notes. And if you want to chit chat about the podcast on Twitter, please use the hashtag Legally Clueless. If you missed our huge announcement last week, we are going on tour. The Legally Clueless 2021 tour. I'm so excited. We are going to be flagging off from Nairobi and then going to Nakuru, Kisumu and then Mombasa. So if you are in any of those places, and you want to be one of the people we record, Yani, record your story when we come to those particular counties. All you have to do is fill out a form. So you can find a link to that form in the show notes. Fill it out and then cross your fingers <laughs> so that you can be one of the stories that we record when we come to those counties. I am so impressed and just like <laughs> excited and also nervous because I checked the back end of the application form and I found that we are at over 100 people people having applied which is just bananas to me let me just confess i was telling my friend who's actually coming on tour as well and i was telling him that i was so scared of putting out that application form link because like part of me was just like what if nobody applies nobody wants to tell you their stories (laughs) but yeah so i'm i'm very thankful that over a hundred people have expressed interest in sharing their story as part of the tour that is amazing to me all right I'm also super excited about the story that is in this episode because it's from a Kenyan girl who I respect and really admire. She's so inspiring. Her name is Bina Maseno. Listen to this. So I finished high school. I'm not able to raise school fees to go to university. And my mother would come home like and tell me, talk her to in the town to end up after school fees. So for me, by the time I was in second year, it was just getting to 2013 elections. One time I'm seated with my friends, Akina Collins, Akina Edu. We're just trying to debate whether it's the right time for us to jump right in in this election. I've just been supported to join USIU. How do I even tell someone that I want to go into politics? First of all, my dad was super shocked. He was like, Bina, uko serious? Now when you're sure you're going to be on the ballot is when you're like, hey, I have to escalate my campaign. That's another thing. I didn't know I needed to have goons. I remember one time after speaking to a crowd of people, guys had gathered after winding up with my speech, someone tried to undress me. At the time when I was running, my mom was a mamamboga. My dad was like a driver for the Umoja route, but we were staying in Kayole. Bina's powerful story is coming up a little later in this episode. But before we get to that, I do hope that you're surrounded by nothing but grace and peace as you listen to this. Oh, I wanted to share. I have just started a 21-day guided meditation thing. I was actually referred to it by my therapist. And I wanted to share this one thing that on day two really started working for me. So basically, the session was around finding your way back to your dharma, which loosely translated is like living righteously of your purpose and things like that. One of the key takeaways from that session was that you need to be able to listen and hear your inner voice, right? And I say this all the time, like we're surrounded by so much noise. It could be negative, noise around you it could be still negative noise coming from people you love but we do have so much noise around us that sometimes it's hard to hear your inner voice so this whole session was like bringing you back to that inner voice bringing you back to living righteously and and finding your purpose aka finding your dharma and one of the things that the instructor said that i have been trying to use over the last couple of days is when you feel an overwhelming like number of thoughts hitting your mind, I feel like my fellow overthinkers will understand that. <laughs> you kind of like go back to a specific sentence. So the sentence that we used during that session was I am. That's it. Like it wasn't I am this, I am that. No, it was just I am. And so every time your mind was wandering or getting flooded by thoughts, you go back to that sentence. You can find whatever sentence you want. It could be an affirmation or whatever. But I've actually, (laughs) I've seen it like calm me down in two situations this past week. It didn't work on a third. (laughs) 
I think because night is too much, <laughs> the emotions are already high. There's no time to go back to a particular um, affirmation or sentence. But I don't know. It seems to be, I mean, two out of three, not bad, right? Let's see if it works. And then another thing that my therapist told me this week that uh, has definitely brought me a lot more peace. So I realized that my grief when it comes to like, just really missing my mom and just feeling like almost like is it incapacitated yes <laughs> i was going to say another wrong word decapit no not decap incapacitated by my grief like where i just feel like i can't move and like when i cry in those moments it's like physical pain that i'm feeling those moments come a lot when either myself or people i love like my sisters are going through huge life moments either good or bad and there are moments that you would typically want your mother to be there that really triggers my grief on like a whole new level and i used to battle with it especially when it's somebody else going through a life moment because i used to feel like it's very unfair of me to center myself in somebody else's moment like they're going through ABC and I'm here saying, oh, they're going through that and it's making me sad. So I was like, oh, I feel like I'm centering myself, but also like I actually do feel sad. So anyway, that came up in my therapy session last week. And so the first thing my therapist said was interrogate and confront all your feelings. Like before you dismiss them, go through the process of interrogating them and confronting them. It's almost like sitting down to have a chat with them. Like, why are you here? <laughs> Tell me more about you. Where did you come from? And when you go through that process, you will be able to weed out stuff that is frivolous and you'll be able to sit in stuff that is real and valid and then start either just allowing yourself to feel it or figuring out how to navigate it. So when I told her what I was feeling, how it was like a spiral because then I feel like, oh my God, why am I centering myself in this? Then it becomes, oh my God, I'm so selfish. And it's just like spiraling. She actually said like, that's a very normal emotional reaction when huge life moments are happening and somebody who has passed away, you would have wanted them to be there for either guidance or just to celebrate with you or to be sad with you, whatever the situation is. She was like, that's a very normal feeling. And so now what we start working on is, yes, allowing myself to feel this, but also trying as much as possible to still show up for the people who need me even in those moments. So it doesn't become, oh, you're going through this, it's making me sad and I'm detaching, especially from people who I love, who are like six people. <laughs> like just making sure despite me having those feelings, they don't overwhelm me until I can't show up for the people who I love in the moments when they really do actually need me. So that gave me a lot of peace. It gave me a lot of, of clarity. Yeah, and I'm, I think I'm in a good headspace. And the other thing she said that I do want to share with you, especially if you are grieving someone, is just try as much as possible not to feel like when you say you miss them, that you're a broken record. Because yeah, I opened up to a friend this week about just like, oh man, like, I miss my mom. I wish she was here for this, that, the other. And even when I was typing the message, I was just like, oh man, I've become those people, right? It's like, I'm just harping on about the same thing over and over and over again. Like, how many times have I told this guy that <laughs> I miss my mom? So yeah, she told me, don't feel guilty for just sharing how much you miss this person. It's normal and it's true. And to be quite frank, Nobody who I've ever opened up to, although I have a really superb support system, no one has ever told me, ah, this again. You know what I mean? It's only me telling myself that. So she's like, you need to stop that. Like, if you miss her and you want to vocalize that, vocalize it. Yeah. So that's where I am. <laughs> Let's jump into the song of the week. I'm really excited about the song, even though I couldn't find it on, you know, like when I share each episode on Instagram. I like having the background music as the song of the week. So I couldn't find it on the Insta music thing, but whatever. I found it on YouTube, so I'm going to be able to share that link with you. This comes from an artist who is so formative in my life. One, because I used to listen to his music with my mom. So that's huge. I have very good memories of particular songs. Two, because I got to interview him when he came to Nairobi once. And got a signed, like he autographed a picture of himself. 
I don't know where it is, but I'm a hoarder, so it must be in like our family house somewhere. And then three, I remember a bit of my writing life, like poetry writing life. I wrote so many poems to a bunch of his songs. So the song of his that I want to share with you today is called Afrobeat Blues. And the artist is Hugh Masakela. Ah, And um, on the song, Oja is also on it, but it's the instruments. It, and it just feels good. I can't, I can't explain it. It really just feels good, this song. And you can't help but just like dance as well. And it's, it's very cleansing for me. So I hope it has that same effect on you. Check out the show notes. There's a link to that song. All right, 100 African Stories. We have Bina Maseno as our storyteller. I actually, as much as we're both Kenyans who live in Kenya, we first met in New York. <laughs> she also did The Moth and when I went to New York to perform, I think she was there for Unga Week. And the moth had like a mixer where previous moth graduates and things could come and just hang out. And that's when we first linked up and we've kept in contact since. And her stories about when she was 22 years old, she decided to put university on hold so that she could run for MCA. MCA, for those who are not from Kenya, is the same as running for a public office seat running in the elections. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. So my name is Bina Maseno. I am from Kenya and I am based in Nairobi. I grew up in uh, Kayole. Kayole is one of the informal settlements in Nairobi. I don't like saying I grew up in Kayole because all the weird stories, all the bad stories are traced back to Kayole. You know, it's always funny. Anytime I'm listening to news in the morning when I'm going to work, a thug was killed in Makadara. They trace his roots to Kayole. I'm like, how? Like, that guy was found in Makadara. Did you guys know? Like, it's just weird stories. But yeah, that's where I grew up. I went to primary school in Kayole, in Mwangaza Primary. And then uh, for my high school, my grandfather was so obsessed with this Seventh-day uh, Adventist school in Uganda called Bugema. And he always wanted his kids to go there. But then none of his kids went there. So he was like, my first grandchild and my favorite grandchild is the one who's going to go there because SDA schools teach good morals. You know, like it, it influences everything about you. That is how I found myself going to Bugema High School for my secondary education. I liked Uganda a lot. Number one, their food. You know, I like their ginet soup, my toke, and uh, I think they're friendly. Or maybe my environment, the friends I used to interact with were friendly enough. Um, so I finished high school and I come back to Nairobi and um, I'm not able to raise school fees to go to university. So I'm trying to fundraise, I'm trying to get people to support me, to go to university it was almost impossible right so I talked to my father and my father who wasn't able to actually fund my university or college education tells me you know just choose a course that you, you know just a vocational course that you can start doing and for me I decided at the time I told him I want to either be a mechanic or a or a cook or a saloonist he's like you have always wanted to be a journalist. Why would you choose a mechanic or a cook or a, a saloonist? So I said, because things look so tough right now, I don't know if I finish school, I'll get work. But at least if I'm a saloonist, I move with my skills, like people braid hair. So even if I go to another country, I can still braid hair. So my options were limited to like real-time skills so that if I finish and uh, there's a struggle in becoming a journalist, you know what? I can braid your hair. You know what? I can actually fix your car. You know what? And I can actually you know i can actually cook i can bake you a cake you know so my options were those three so he took me because he's uh he's a driver he's like uh, he's been in the, in the transport uh, sector for quite some time so he took me to uh some garage in umoja to start there but then after some time and uh contemplating over the choice i made it was more of whoa because this profession is dominated by men kidogo kidogo you'll find yourself you know you're pregnant because you know you're very young so it's like okay why don't you consider then maybe becoming a chef so I went to some vocational school at, at around, in, it's in Bahati, and I began studying there. But then I have my mom's friend who's called Mama Eva, who was like, you know what, Bina, the way you really excelled, because I got Division One in uh, Uganda, is like, you know what, I'm not going to let you go to a vocational school. We are going to look for this school fees by the way together. Mama Eva 
yani honestly i think they are amazing people out here and mama iba would come home like and tell me toka to in the town twenda kutafuta school fees mama iba would come home and find me taking tea i actually i mean slippers one time mama iba just dragged me out of the house and likwana slippers that's just just she just freshen up dragged me out of the house even her she not even combed her hair she, she was in sandals she's like we're going to look for help and we came to town with slippers knocking doors and that even became a routine like we would just wake up and just prepare we're going to go you know knock doors and all that and uh, fortunately one day we were at um, this building at uh, Harambe is it Harambe Avenue the one uh, that was hosting the education ministry and we walk in there and uh, we want to you know we said we want to go see the person in charge of education and uh, the assistant director there w- was uh, Jeremiah we walk into his office and both me and my mother break down you know because it's been a long day it's been two weeks of doing this so we break down and seated there was uh, magistrate Dr Julie Oseko uh, her friend and uh, Jeremiah Dr Julie just looked at my papers she was just about to fly out of the country to pursue her PhD and she's like I wish I would adopt you you know I wish I would really really, really take you in but I'm just leaving the country uh, but I'm happy to walk the journey with you as my daughter and Jeremiah just told me go look for a school I'll pay. That is what happened. I went got papers from Graphins because at the time I'm just like I'm going to do hospitality. I was still stuck on there. Yeah. So I went looked for the brochures for Graphins came delivered and he paid my whole school fees. And then Dr. you know Dr. Julio Seco began walking the journey with me. I don't even think he knows my like uh, he knows my second name, you know, because even when I was graduating, I tried to send him an invite and it had Miss Maseno. He was like, "Who's this?" I'm like, "You've been paying my, you know, you've been paying my school fees." So from graphics, I excelled very well and uh, my uncle Rogers, who's big, oh my god, my biggest support, sponsored my education in uh, USIU and that is how I found myself in USIU pursuing journalism and international relations. So it's interesting because growing up I used to be so scared of politicians and I used to be so scared of politicians because of the conversations I would hear from my parents from my uncles talking about the Moi regime and how dissidents would just disappear. Like you speak against Moi today you are no more like you're no more not like you just tortured like you're no more so uh you know they would tell stories of how people would whisper like if you have to say something negative about Moi's administration president Moi's administration like you had to be very careful who you're speaking to so for me I grew up knowing politicians are very dangerous people because clearly I did not want to disappear after you know <laughs> like after investing so much in myself I do not want to disappear just because I was caught speaking ill of a politician so for me by the time i was in second year it was just getting to 2013 elections right so in 2012 even with all these things i had been involved in community activities and uh, the elections were drawing near one time i'm seated with my friends akina collins akina you know akina edu and uh, we're just trying to debate whether you know it's it's the right time for us to jump right in you know in this election but i'm like apana hey this no we can, you know like we can't do this we can't do this then they're like you, you know what bina i think because you've always been vocal about some of the issues in this community i think you need to go for this it's an opportunity otherwise you have to wait for another 5 years so this will be an opportunity for you to understand what goes on in the circles that determine what kind of uh, help we receive as a community that influence public service delivery for this community and as i began to marinate in that and to think about that I said but my god I've just been like I've just been supported to join USIU how do I even tell someone that I want to go into politics like I didn't even pay my own school fees like how do you tell someone I have decided that I don't want to continue my education I want to get into politics so it was a very 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 hard decision to make and even trying to to tell my parents about it first of all my dad was super shocked he was like bina uko serious like uko serious kuna dem unajua Ashai win Kitia MCA akiwa 22 cuz I was 22 then do you know anyone who's like won a seat under 22 years in this country first of all look at our status we couldn't even afford your education like how on earth would you even think about getting into politics my mom was super shocked she was like how ungrateful can one be like how ungrateful can someone be the heavens have opened and you've gotten support and when you've gotten support you want to drain all that support in politics bina this is not the time this is not the space when they actually uh saying all those things i'm like you know what i think it's it, 
it's even more painful just looking at what is happening around and I'm like I can this is an opportunity to really influence the decisions that are gonna affect public service delivery for all of us you know and my grandmother when my when the news you know my, when my grandmother had the news that Bina wants to go she's like Bina do you want to get married in the future do you want to get married then if you want to get married forget politics because female politicians are not attractive they can't sustain a marriage okay and uh, i'm like this this sounds like the right thing for me right now so i spoke to my lecturer in usiu because i was taking a media class so i remember talking to mr mutua i'm like i'm getting to this particular space and it's interfering with my education you know and that's the thing with politics you cannot you know like you can't have a job on the side and you also campaigning because it's not like fluid or it doesn't like uh, things don't happen like in a in a linear way so kidogo kidogo leo you have to run there and talk to them you know so it's it's so random like even how the campaigns happen that you haven't organized personally but you have to leverage on to tell people who you are i sat down with my lecturers and i told them uh what i have decided to do so you can also imagine the reaction like <laughs> oh my god like are you serious first of all you're broke <laughs> how are you getting into politics you know you're broke you're young you're a woman like are you serious about this right now because also you want to get an f in school they allowed me to take a break so i took a break in my second year in usiu and jumped right in not knowing what i was jumping into <laughs> Not knowing what I was about to get into. I thought I'm going to be like, you know, this is a very, you know, like I'm just trying to tell you guys why we need better leadership. La haula, la haula. It was not that. <laughs> so my friends quickly organized into a committee because we have to start mapping out uh, the community. And it's so interesting because, you know, we always talk about this tribal politics, but that is part of mapping out. How many lawyers do we have in this in this ward? How many kisses? How many kikuyus? How many kambas? So who do you need to spend your time with more? You know what I mean? It's so interesting because uh, that is what determines whether an area is an ODM zone or a jubilee zone. That is what determines even which party you're going to join because if this is an ODM zone, then I'm better off actually joining ODM and uh, running uh, under an ODM ticket, you know. So uh, we quickly organize into that and then uh, of course now people start talking word of mouth and uh, they start inviting into these particular spaces. And uh, what moves around so fast. And because like I was the youngest at this particular time, so what was like, hey, kuna mrembo me join siasa, right? But what I wasn't prepared for. You know, number one, I was staying with my parents in Kayole, right? So what I wasn't I wasn't prepared for was visitors coming from 6 a.m. Like from 6 a.m. I'm like, what are you coming to do? They're like, ah, mheshimiwa, tumabona tafuta kiti. In fact, mimi niko na group ya wa mama, mimi niko na group ya wa baba, niko na group ya vijana. Like guys actually, like people throng your home from 6 a.m. So that means from 6 a.m. you must have flasks full of tea, bread and blue band because clearly if guys come to your home and there's no tea, there's nothing like if the, if this one can't even feed us. How is she going to provide for us when she wins this seat? If she can't even give us tea, imagine we stayed in her home for two hours, they didn't even give us water. And you know, an African, if you don't give an African tea, you've not given them anything. So that was like the number one shocker for me. I can't even sleep up to seven anymore. At six, guys are like, Mweshi mi umelala baka, umelala na ujechukua kiti? I'm like, I came home at... 1 a.m. I need to rest. Utalala ukichukua kiti. You shall sleep when you win. So that was the number one shocker. The number of people, like, you know, at times we meet people and they're like, hey, imagine I don't have food for my kid. I'm like, imagine even me actually don't have food. In the evening, they come with their three kids. I think they're like, I've just come with my three kids to eat in your home because I told you we don't have food, but I'm sure in your home you can't miss food. And someone has just come. Like, there's this lady I told, honestly, I, I, I don't have food. You know, like, I don't have money to give you because I'm just like your daughter. I'm just trying to make things better for us you know i'm just trying to sell this vision that i see that can help all of us and then in the evening i see how with all her kids in my home i'm like yo she's like oh i just decided instead of us sleeping hungry let us share the little you have in your home yo so you see even where resources come in even if you, you are not going to like give handouts you have to feed people and it's even worse when you're even seeking this bigger seats like if your politicians telling you for majority of them they just put a tent like the day you start campaigning just put a tent outside your home 
and with food. So, because guys will always come. You'll always have guests. But for me, like we're staying in Kyola, it's a shared space. It's even shared uh, bathroom facilities. You don't have room to put a tent anywhere. So you just have to really deal with your current situation. That was phase one. Now I have begun the campaigns, right? We had the party primaries, uh, which can be quite hectic and dangerous at the same time. So after the party primaries, I think is when now where rubber meets the road because then now guys know for sure, for sure, for sure, <laughs> you're going to be on the ballot. Mm -hmm. Now when you're sure you're going to be on the ballot is when you're like, hey, I have to escalate my campaigns, right? And uh, we have to change our strategies. If it means poaching, you know, the, the, the mobilizers from another competitor, it means going hard. You know what I mean? Like it's survival for the fittest. When you're going, when you're actually on the ballot, it's survival for the fittest because people poach your people as well. So it means poaching other people as well. It means being a negotiator. You know, you must know how to, you know, how to negotiate, how to mobilize, how to sell your vision. And I think for me, young women are disproportionately affected or disenfranchised when it comes to, you know, running for political office. Because number one, how our culture is even set up, you cannot even inherit land. So you don't have collateral. You don't have like uh, something you can dispose and get money. Someone like, let's say my brother or my male friends, they already have land. Your dad probably gave you land. So you can decide what to do with that land. So you can just sell it and have like money, like resources to help you with your campaign. So you don't have that. Number two, you're young. You haven't probably worked for some time and been been able to like amass money because also when you look at the older women who are joining like uh, politics they have to resign like they resign from um, a particular position then join politics but you see over time maybe they bought land with a little little or more resources that they had or maybe they, they've been in circles or they've been in chamas and then they have networked enough to have also fellow women uh, who can actually maybe support their campaign but you see as a young woman even your own peers are jobless you know? <laughs> <laughs> like your own peers, unless we're Kuombe, they're like, me by day, I'm praying for you. I'm standing in the gap for you, Bina. You don't have to even pray for yourself because I'm already doing it for you. <laughs> like you don't have to do it, Bina. I'm, I'm doing it for you, so don't worry. You, you're covered. Like prayer-wise, you're covered because what else can they offer you? And it's even worse because not many young women are socialized to engage in political spaces, to want to vie for political office, or their political ambition nurtured at a very young age like men. So even when you're going to rallies, they're not likely to join you in a political rally, by the way. Young women are not likely to come to a political rally for sure, and also not likely to also see young women in political rallies. So you're likely to find more men, because even for my friends, those ones who are telling me we are standing with you in the gap in prayers. I'm like, then come to the political campaign. And alafu nebe mama yangu ati nimwambie nini? Kwa atasema nilikuwa naenda kutafuta mzee. Hey, Bina. Ah, you don't love me. What am I going to tell my parents that I went to a political rally to do what? To look for a man or to do what? Because the assumption is, oh, so you want to go expose yourself so that people <laughs> so that people can see you. So what do you want me to tell my dad that I was in a political rally? Hey. First of all, ODMs. Oh my God. <laughs> How am I going to fight out, you know, or Jubilee? And I'm, I'm just saying like the mainstream political parties or ONC or ANC because they associate political rallies with hooliganism. You know what I mean? So not very many parents also would be comfortable for their young daughters to actually even just attend a, even a peaceful political rally, right? So my friends didn't show up. For the political rallies, they're like, no, Bina, we're supporting you. And that support also for young women does not translate in online spaces. And if you look at even the research that has been done, both globally and locally, not many young women consume political content. And also not young many young women even churn out political content in their social media uh, platforms, right? So it means also them also sharing your content is hard. And even just do a random sample. Look at your male friends uh, who are very active and uh, churn out a, a lot of political content. Look at their comments. You'll barely see many women in those comments. So even online, their support doesn't translate to, you know, like even their support doesn't even translate in the online spaces. So ideally, you are left on your own. And I was just learning these things on the go. Because if I had known about these things, I would have begun cultivating the political engagement of my friends, you know, awareness, how politics affects them, why they need to engage in these spaces, how our hair is political, how our bodies are political, what we need to do, how our education is political in this particular country. So I'm learning on the go, and they're like, hey, I'm not going to start talking about politics on my Facebook. How? Bina, I told you I'm praying for you. <laughs> So security, I did not know when your name is on the ballot, it escalates uh, insecurity issues for you because then 
for the the MCA seat is very competitive. First of all, you find you're so many. You know, like us who are like twelve aspirants. You can imagine, like twelve aspirants after the after the primaries. So before the primaries, I think to look like almost forty. But now the guys who are on the ballot, it was twelve of us, and it means your five hundred supporters can disadvantage someone uh, in terms of them winning that particular seat. Because I said it's very competitive, and with five thousand votes, you've won as an MCA. So it means if uh, let's say uh, with five thousand you've won, and let's say if someone like me I have like three thousand. You see? So if I'm not on the race, it means maybe number two, combining with my votes, they'd have already won. So insecurity, hala, because I had limited resources for me and my team, we began waking up at 4 a.m. Our campaigns used to begin at 4 a.m. So at 4 a.m., we split ourselves in different stages because we're even targeting the Mamambogas who are going to Kwasoko, guys who are going to industrial area. So our campaigns used to begin at 4 a.m. We're targeting guys. So we just split up because we had like young people, women and men, and uh, maybe an older person as well, like at 4 a.m. So we used to meet at 4 a.m. and then we split up. You're like, you go to this stage, you go to the other stage, you go to the other stage. Because you see the Mamambogas go to the Sokos very early in the morning and they're very influential because they interact with very many people in the community so it's to get them where you know like where they are trying to talk about what we want to do even for mamambogas trying to talk about what we can do to transform the markets where they are to how we can even work with kanjo in terms of the money they collect every other day just to see how we can make things better for them so you can imagine at 4 a.m we began our campaigns because we're just like you know what we have to escalate it because we don't have money to gather people every other day and give them handouts right we had to uh, like start looking for the low hanging fruits. So it means if you're actually living at four, your security has to be catered to. And then there are those people who just who just send you weird texts, you know, like very, very, very weird texts. I remember one time someone sending me a weird text that he which means if you come to campaign today, especially in this particular area, we shall insert a bottle in you. Whoa. My goodness. I tried to call that number. It wasn't going through. It's like someone just sent that message and probably chewed that SIM card or threw it. You know what I mean? I remember that week, I just stopped my campaigns. I did not go to campaign for a whole week. And you see, when you're not going to campaign, someone else is ahead of you. They're taking advantage of that particular time because they just sent chills down, you know, down my spine. I'm just like, why would you tell me something like that? So that's another thing. I didn't know I needed to have goons before entering this particular space and not just goons. You know, those goons who look like they were from fighting the previous night. Those ones who look like they have a dent under their eye. They have another mark that is trying to hear. <laughs> They just look, you're like, yo, this one, <laughs> I can't deal with this chick. So I also didn't know I need to like vet my own goods and have them on ground. Eh? Me, I just thought security from my friends is enough. These friends who are praying for me, those ones don't even show up at 4 a.m. <laughs> After a week, my aunt came to visit and was like, I was told you're no longer campaigning. I'm like, yeah, because I mean, clearly I don't want to be raped in this campaign. She's like, so why didn't you respond? I'm like, what can I tell this person? He's like, let me respond for you. And we are stepping out. So my aunt helped me to map out the goons we need in our campaign as well. You know, in terms of just having your people who just scare the shit out of people. You know what I mean? They just look at them. They're like, by the way, please don't joke with me. Because clearly, let me tell you, security for female politicians is not assured, especially if it's your first time to campaign. It's never assured. I remember one time after speaking to a crowd of people in some, you know, like those plots, guys had gathered after winding up with my speech in terms of what I'm going to do, someone tried to undress me. Like literally. And you see, it was just almost seven. So it's a bit dark but of course you can tell it is one of the people who is here you know what i mean and most likely the molds who are sent from the other campaigns to come and figure out what are you talking about who are you or maybe just someone who's trying to spoil your campaign because that happens a lot you gather people kiasi kiasi disruptors come they're trying to throw them away you know like so many other things like when you gather people you also must figure out how your goons can also protect those people that you've gathered because because you don't want, you don't want someone to be hurt because they came to listen to you. So you have to ensure e area. Nivijanawagani wants to provide security in this area. Which guys am I going to pay for security? Because also territories matter. So you can go with, uh, let's say, uh, you see like guys who I used to be with. I can't take them to another territory. They're like, oh, you'll see. Oh, you didn't give us a job. Like, you know, in uh, Kayole Riverbank, my friend, if you don't have guys from Riverbank protecting you, you cannot access Riverbank. Like, you cannot access Riverbank. Like, you must need, like, you need guys from Riverbank to protect you. So every territory, like, has people you have to talk to. I'm just like, 
Why did I run? And, and that's the thing with the insecurity in uh, political spaces, right? Is that, first of all, you still have to react in a calm manner, even if something like that is happening. Because if you overreact, they'll be like, did you see her temper? Now, if she can react like that, you know, did you see her temper? First of all, you see, not everyone saw. So it's just probably the people who are there who saw. But the guys who are at the back, you know, because guys are standing. You know, the guys who are at the back didn't see. So they might just see at face value your temper. Why are you shouting? Maybe someone just touched you, Kidogo, and you're shouting. But who you know, because literally you're scat equal. You know, like Kidogo if you get chini. You know what I mean? There's a very delicate balance. So imagine that is happening and you still have to remain very calm. Very calm because even your team are telling you, watch her. Your own team is telling you, we will deal with this when you're out of here. I am sure it is uh, one of those guys from other campaigns who are trying to distract these and trying to prove to people this particular girl can't even handle her temper. Did you see how she reacted? First of all, no one was trying to undress her. Yes, guys have, you know, like the guys who are in front there have seen, but the majority have not seen. So things can just turn around so fast, like, oh, you're trying to be scandalous. So even in that, when you feel like, Yani, your dignity has been violated, you still have to remain calm. And I remember reaching out to uh, my police buddy and uh, I'm like, uh, hey, this tried to happen to me and uh, he tried to even connect me to some chief and even there's a, there's a DO was roped in in this. And the response from across all those people was like, but siyasa inakuanga ivo. Wewe ulgona expect ninu kikuja kwa siyasa? That is how politics is. Like, what did you expect? Guys experience worse things than just being dressed, uh, you know, th than just being undressed or trying to be undressed. Guys are beaten up. Guys are raped in the real sense. Guys, people lose their lives. And you are talking about just someone trying to undress you. So which case do we, do we deal with? Do we deal with those guys who've actually been raped? Um, those guys who've actually been beaten up? Um, do we deal with your case? Because did anything happen to you? So you're still okay. You know, did someone scratch you or anything? You're still okay, right? So there are very, you know, there are other grave matters to deal with than yours. That's why I was like, Allah, I'm telling you this security issue, I just have to deal with it myself. And dealing with security issue yourself means also you must have resources. Because you see, even for me, when I was working with, um, even if some of them are my friends and even trying to look for, <laughs> quote unquote, those goons I'm talking about, you have to pay them. At, at the bare minimum, they have to eat. At the bare minimum, they're spending time with you from 6 a.m. in the morning to late in the night. So if you even have like three of them or four of them because of these dangerous areas you're going to campaign in the informal settlement, so you have to feed five people, including you. At the bare minimum, you must have money for at least your basic needs and their basic needs. So even if you're not giving hand, uh, handouts, you're financing so many other things that you didn't even, uh, you know, like you, you didn't even think about. Look at even people who are already eating in my own home. My mom used to, like, my mom used to, like, just have a very small kiosk selling bogas. At the time, when I was running, my mom was a mamam boga. My dad was, like, a driver for the Umoja route, but we were staying in Kayole. Drivers don't make much in a day. They make, like, a thousand bob in a day. Already it's not even enough for him to meet our basic needs as a, as a family. It means you're even adding more trouble to the family. So there are all these other things that are intertwined that you actually come to realize. Ukiwa kwa ground. That's why I'm asking. I'm talking about kwa ground. Between the difference. Kwa ground. So after all this, it is now voting day. Yo, that is like <laughs> one of those days I don't think even politicians like look forward to, you know, because uh, number one, it's like a determinant of so many other things in terms of what your life is going to be after that, right? So that day I'm just sitting in the Tallinn Center for Embakasi Central, you know, votes are streaming in. And I'm just like, these people used to come to my home and then be like, like those guys would tell me uh you know all the youth groups i know all the youth groups bina you just hold my hand you hold my hand i'll give you the numbers so that's the day <laughs> you know who was telling you the truth those mamas would be like wewe ni mtoto wangu lazima nikuchunge kama mtoto wangu o mama wangu wote nitakupatia all my women you're like my daughter I'll give you all my women. That's the day you want to know whether they give you all their... <laughs> whether they give you all their women. And then, you know, it's so interesting because um, the older men, like, they never used to, like, even ask me for, let's say, money, like, handouts. Because I remember this one time, like, the older electorates are so different, you know, especially when you're young. I think they're so different because this one time, this group of, uh, like, older men, they were, like, in their own kachama. But it was, like, in some kafani pub, though. Uh, but that's where they used to meet, you know, like, after, in the afternoon, it was a Sunday afternoon. And I remember this old man asking me, like, you know, Ati, how old are you? 
I'm like, uh, I'm just about to turn 23. I'm 22. She's like, oh my God, my even my last born is uh, older than you. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, you know, someone like me, who's a parent and also who's been married over time, like we judge a woman's capability with how well they're able to nurture their family. We have not seen your family. We're not even sure whether when you get married, you're going to remain in this community. So how can we entrust this community to you? And you know, this is not on phone where you can just mute someone and like hang up. I look at him and, uh, you know, first of all, my team is looking down because they're just like, yo, thank God I'm not the one vying (laughs) because... You know, the way guys are like, thank God I'm not the one vying. Because now, because now all the, you know, all the other men are quiet. You know, like all the people are quiet. Because this one is actually asking you as a parent. So I remember just, you know, like scanning the room, number one. And I said, "Um, I think you're right. I think you're right, right? This is going to be a very big family. I think for me, even from where I sit and, I, uh, I, and I'm also just going to respond as your daughter, just as you've rightly put it. And I'm sure even when you're running your day-to-day errands, you ask your kids to do it. You know, you ask your kids to help you with your day-to-day errands. I'm just asking you guys to send me to parliament and help me do it. The same way you send your kids around to do things for you, I'm going to also need your guidance in doing these things. So I'm just asking you, to send me for an errand in parliament, in the county assembly. Because clearly, I was not about to throw all those, you don't judge men, one, two, three. You know, that's not the forum to throw all that. Because they also want to judge how respectful you are. You know, these are older men. You know, how respectful are you? So you also, I'm not about to start throwing around all these things that we throw when we are in these spaces of, um, you know, women, leadership spaces, feminist spaces and all that. And, uh, and yeah, so even when I'm reflecting about these experiences and what I've I've had to brave through my campaigns and the votes are streaming in. Actually, I just had tears in my eyes throughout the whole time because I'm just like, is it going to be worth it really? You know, the insecurities, someone trying to undress me, trying to vet goons that I'm going to work with for whichever area because now I have to protect myself, calling policemen, you know, calling, you know, whether it's the DO uh, and talking about what has happened to you and them telling you this is politics. Did you think about it? And, uh, you know, my parents, who from the beginning were apprehensive and uh, didn't think I needed to run. My grandmother, who thought I needed to have a family first because I'm denying her grandkids. So I'm just thinking about all these things as votes are streaming in. And I'm just, and then, you know, it's the exhaustion because I've been waking up so early at 4 a.m. I have not enjoyed an eight-hour sleep for the past one year. I've had to put school, you know, on hold. I don't know if I'm going to be, you know, supported afterwards after making this decision. I don't know if I'm going to be supported afterwards if I don't win. So everything was at stake. Like literally everything was at stake. I also wasn't able to continue with my relationship at the time because I didn't even have time to go out on dates. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this guy has moved on. (laughs) So I'm just like, if I don't win, like where do I start? Like where do I start? So vote streaming for the first station and I'm not fearing badly because I think I was uh, at uh, 850 votes and uh, uh, I think the winner was almost at uh, almost I think 1400 and something and then of course the rest are spread out uh, you know across the other aspirants then I'm just calling like my agents aha your station imefika ngapi dawabu imefika ngapi mwangaza primary tuko ngapi mwangaza secondary tuko ngapi you know what i mean and then also the resources for your agents you know what i mean because during that last day there are guys who just buy out agents like i know my friend went to sleep and then someone just came and chartered her agents gave her agents money just like that the results were changed because she knew she's winning so she didn't need to be there you know because you know like it's those territories where this is the party of the day and you have the ticket for that party of the day so just like this one is new but your competitor is like oh you've gone to sleep okay we shall show you and that's how like her agents were bought out last minute and they didn't even like uh, record the correct results for her that's how she like she lost so i'm thinking about all these things and uh, i couldn't contain my tears you know i really couldn't contain my tears i had lost weight i was about almost 46 from 55 so at the end of the day they announced the last results for the last station and uh, i had not won and my heart sunk and uh you know i remember people sending me sms's people calling me they're like yo bina you really tried my goodness for you to even like for you to even be like number four out of 12 bina you really really really, really like you really tried like 
at 22, I don't know what I was doing with my life. I wouldn't have thought of getting into politics and actually getting to the ballot. I'd probably announce on Facebook and call myself a honorable and then that's it. Like it ends on Facebook. But you braved it. You campaigned. You got to the ballot. You know, you got people supporting you. You got numbers. But you know, when you haven't won a political seat, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. Like in politics, I think what matters is whether you win or win. And then the fact that it also affects your ability to get work afterwards. Who wants to employ a politician in this country? Yes. <laughs> They're like, ah, when people hear politics, what comes to mind is corruption. So like politics is synonymous with corruption, with bad leadership. People don't even go to even dig up the definition of politics. Like equal sharing of resources to benefit everyone, right? People don't even dig up all those things. They just hear, ah! Yeah, that that's it. Like it's like a dent. And also, you know, like you're not prepared for the mental trauma and you also don't know where to go because also when we are trained about all these things no one talks about your your sanity levels my friend lost by very few votes and i remember getting her to shower was a problem to shower she's like it, 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 no it's okay like leaving bed to shower so you can imagine if getting someone to shower is a problem let alone to eat getting her out of bed was like was a problem and then during that time during the campaign i think she had lost her husband during the campaign and then rumors had uh, uh, spread out that oh she sacrificed her husband to get resources so you can imagine people turning things around uh when it comes to someone who's so dear to you maybe you have not healed she had to stop her kid from going to school because then these rumors were getting to her kid in terms of oh they're saying this about you and daddy you know what i mean so it's also the trauma that you face earlier on we were joking with you i was telling you this politician who after elections actually now is a he is a, a gospel musician for me it is all those things uh, especially just trying to to come back up again mm. and uh, deal with uh, betrayal because then you look at people who purported to support you people who said you know people would come to your house every day people would try to work with you you're not sure if they were the moles you're like okay you had numbers do you actually vote for me so you don't even know if maybe your chief your chief mobilizer even voted for you you don't even know if your brother trusted you enough to vote for you <laughs> or even your dad who's a supporter of a, a, a different political party voted for you so it's it, it's it's also you know you're dealing with uh, all this betrayal from especially supporters on the ground you're like i thought you said you know you're supporting me i thought you said because then you're seeing them celebrate another person you're like allah so you thought you were supporting me how are you celebrating that person when i think about all that i went through and all other women also who've mentored me have gone through at times it's so hard to just think about running again I I always feel like I have to build myself economically, just have a, a, a good financial base, strengthen myself emotionally, you know, physically, intellectually. Like, you have to put in so much by the time you also decide you're going to run again. And even for uh, my peers who've run again, like, I mean, who've run before, they're not running again. Majority of them actually refuse to run again. Even when you see potential in them and you're like, I think you need to run again. They don't run again. But in 2027, I'm going to buy. But currently, you know, I was sitting with the with the Gowie some time back and uh, my other mentors. And uh, they were like, all the things you wanted to achieve uh, by becoming a politician and winning a seat, is that the only way? And I think for me that opened up my eyes and that is how I ended up forming Badili Africa to meet some of those needs that I had wanted to do once elected. And I have found so much fulfillment with the work we do in, in Badili Africa in terms of uh, cultivating young women's political engagement, cultivating Chama women's political engagement, and now trying to push them into these particular spaces and trying to show them why they need to hold leaders, uh, you know, leaders accountable. My peers who are below 25, right? Our, uh, you know, our work with merging beauty with politics is geared actually between 18 and 25 year olds who don't care about politics, and I'm talking about young women here, who would not be caught up in a political rally or in a political conversation or blogging about politics, right? So we had to look for strategies that actually attract younger women to understand how is politics affecting you and what can you do, you know, in your space, right? And for our Chama women, they are entry points for politicians. And then once politicians use them and use their numbers in terms of leveraging and tapping into their numbers, they dump them. And then they sit back and wait for five years again to mobilize for another person. So it's more of pushing back. We're like, no, you're not going to sit back and you're a whole leader because you find like Amamamboga has numbers, but they're thinking, oh, but you know, I'm illiterate. How can I face a leader? How can I face an MP? I'm like, no, they approached you as Mamamboga. You have the numbers. You're going to push back as Mamamboga. So I think for me, seeing some of the achievements 
achievements from our work at Badili has been so fulfilling and uh, that is what I am very keen on especially in these coming elections we are pushing more Chama women Chia ladies to run for office so I think for me I have found a lot of fulfillment in that but I think once a politician always a politician ground catch more African stories in the next episode of legally clueless that was such a wonderful story. I'm just so happy that despite everything that she had to go through, she's still very determined to A, make an impact in different communities and B, get back and run in the elections. You know, when she talks about how people would show up at her house at like 6 a.m. or different people wanting handouts, it really reminded me also of this movie called Softy. We've talked about it actually on this podcast and... We had Jerry Mwangi, who is Boniface Mwangi's partner, on the podcast episode sharing her story. So in that movie, Softie, it was so apparent that we, the voters, are very much part of the problem. I got the same sense again listening to Bina's story. I also feel like the systems around politics and who gets in and who can run for what are so limiting. Like they lock out quite a few people, even just if you look at resources, you know. And lastly, I really want you to check out the work that Bina is doing with Badili Africa. So in the show notes, I've put links to her online platforms and the Badili Africa platforms as well completely respect her for the work that she's doing so make sure you check out her platforms another thing that you have to go and check out is season one of the legally clueless video series we're going to be going on tour and then we'll get to season two but season one is definitely one for the books a because it's the inaugural season but also the stories they are so fantastic the season finale story was by chiki chiki kuruka you may know her as that who is not only just radio presenter, dance instructor, but she has opened her first dance studio here in Nairobi. And what I loved about her story is that it was such an honest, real reflection of the journey to opening and running a business in this country. <laughs> um, I think sometimes in the media, most of these business person stories are very sexy and very glam, but yo... <laughs> It is not fun times on this side, right? So I love that. And it seems like quite a few people identified with her story as well because Chicky sent me this yesterday. Adele, today a lady came into my studio and she was standing by the door and she was like, hi, is Chicky here? So obviously I was. So I came out and she had a bunch of bananas with her. And she was like, these are bananas from my shamba. I decided to come by because I listened to your episode of Legally Clueless and I was so inspired. So I just wanted to come and give you a gift to say thank you for sharing your story. Don't you think that's really sweet? I thought that was so sweet. My goodness. So whoever you are, thank you so much for showing Chiki so much love. And obviously to Chiki, I'm, I'm so honored that you've not only been in an audio episode of Legally Clueless, but on the video series and you have so much time for me. So yeah, make sure you check out season one of the Legally Clueless video series on YouTube. Link is in the show notes, but you can just go onto YouTube and search Legally Clueless. You will find our channel. Make sure you share that out with all of your friends as we wait for the tour. So excited, but so many moving parts, so much to do. <laughs> However, thank you so much for listening to this episode to the very end. Remember, this podcast plays on Trace Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 noon. So that's Trace Radio in Kenya. If you want a list of the frequencies on how you can listen to Trace, head over to www.traceradio.co.ke. And while you're there, you can also stream it online. And lastly, audio episodes are out every single Monday. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.